Thanks, Josh. Um, yeah, oh, I haven't got my clicker. That's okay. I might have to say next slide, next slide, that kind of thing. Anyway, can we have the first slide up? It should be Mr. Taton. There we go. Okay, so Chris is, has just finished uh, a 24 peaks in 24 hours challenge. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> that was him uh, after about uh, uh, 16 hours. Um, but listen, <clears throat> there's a QR code there. Because this is what he's raising money for. This is, this is the blurb that it says. Please be scanning the QR code. Now, if you don't know what to do, you don't even know what a QR code is. If you haven't got a phone, uh, <laughs> we'll, keep going, we'll keep going backwards. But anyway, just point your phone at it. And hopefully, if you put it on camera, point your phone at it. It should come up with a little website. If it doesn't, don't worry. You can follow that link. But this is what he's doing. On Father's Day weekend 2022, a group will be setting out on a huge challenge to climb 24 mountains in just 24 hours, covering 30 miles using nothing but their two feet. This endurance challenge has not been attempted before. <clears throat> the group is embarking on this challenge um, to support money. I'll explain the rest. Uh, an organisation called Chapter 2. and uh, It's a challenge to help boys that are growing up with no father or father figure. The UK is facing a fatherless pandemic with nearly one in two 15-year-old boys not living with both parents, the majority of whom live with their mother. They will grow up to face far more challenges than your average boy. Unemployment, academic failure, depression, anxiety and poverty later in life are all far more likely for fatherless boys. Please support this brave group in their quest to write hope into the fatherless story. Now... Amazing. I agree. Absolutely amazing. So what I would love us to do, I looked this morning, Chris is working with a team, um, and actually this organisation, Chapter 2, is something that one of his um, dear friends from Reading actually leads. He, he devised this programme and, and leads it, and so Chris is predominantly supporting him. But there is a possibility that some of that stuff that they're doing there will come here as well. Listen, this is the point. I checked this morning... He hasn't even raised a grand yet, bless his heart, because Chris isn't very good at about saying stuff he's doing, so I'm saying it for him. <laughs> so he's only on £736 of 1000 So between us, right now, in the next one minute, if we can have that slide back up, can, we all just, can people just go on? If you've literally only got cash, if it's old school, if you've only got cash, you can come and give it to me. I will put it in the, in the Chris Tatton pocket, which is this one here, um, and I will give him the cash, if that's easier. But if not... £736, uh, which I make 264 quid to go. So if you can at all, please make a donation. That would be amazing. What an incredible thing he is doing. Um, also, <clears throat> this week, just to give you a bit more news, Nick and I are off to Bogota in Colombia. Um, mm, yes. Uh, to a church there called Aviviamento. So you, you're very welcome to look that up. I haven't put any details on the screen. They have been in some sort of revival for uh, about 28 years. When they, they meet in a, uh, when I say converted car park, I've been told it's got open sides and you sit on patio chairs. And they have 
so many people say yes to Jesus that they have had to install traffic lights in the aisles that go red or green according to whether you can go to the front and receive Jesus. When it goes green, there is a rush. People stampede forward. That's why they've had to put the traffic lights in because people are desperate for Jesus. So I'm going there because I want a piece of it. And so um, please do pray for us because I have no idea what Colombia is going to be like. Um, But we are going with a stick to shove it in the fire and see if I can get it back on hand luggage. Uh, (laughs) See see how I get on with that. But that's 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 basically our aim. (laughs) Um, Thank you. If we can skip onto the culture slide, I'm going to shoot through these really quickly. Um, Culture, very quickly, we're in the middle of this. I really am going to shoot through them. This is the environment we curate so that we can nurture the things we wish to see. We say to people, think like a greenhouse. Next slide, please. These are our 11 statements. We haven't got time to go through those. So to save you having to go through those now, next slide. You can buy one of these at the back. And many of us have bought one and we're working our way through them. Uh, so they are available at the back. Next slide, please. And we think this journey is best done. This adventure is done best with other people. So get into a group. Uh, my group, we, um, we're having to meet following week because I'm not here this week. Bless you all if you're here. Uh, I can see some of you are. So do scan that or message circles at. That will get through to Chris and when he, uh, when he has woken up uh, and whatever. He th- I think he finished at something. Like, I've got a message from Vic at about... 3.15 this morning. He started at 5 o'clock yesterday morning. And I think he finished at about... Thank you, mate. I think he finished about 3 o'clock this morning. Something like 22 hours. Uh, they, she did send me a photo of him, and I thought, oh, gosh, that's a trigger to pray. If nothing, he looked absolutely <laughs> awful. <laughs> just, wow, it's just so difficult. Anyway, um, thanks, Ethan. So this is where we're up to um, here. God is good. Two weeks on that. We live in God's presence. Two weeks on that. I am week two for uh, we live in God's presence. So here we have now. We are really getting into standing and declaring because the tongue is the rudder of the ship and life and death flows from the tongue, right? So these are good things to say. So if you can and you're able, let's just stand and say this stuff out. Is that all right? Okay, here we go. We devote ourselves to becoming passionate worshippers of God as we respond to his invitation to love him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. We devote ourselves to knowing, loving and becoming fascinated by Jesus and in doing so, seek to be more like him in all we say and do. That's exciting. You may take a seat. Thank you. I have been told by someone, um, dear friend who knows me very well, oh my goodness, Chris, your senses are going to be overwhelmed. Do you remember the Mexican World Cup where they had the Vuvuzelas? Do you remember that? The long... Yeah, they have them in worship. Yeah, they have them in worship. So he has said, oh, mate, your senses, they're, they're going to be overwhelmed. Um, so anyway, I'll let you know. I might bring a couple of Uvazelas back. 
some banners, some ribbons. I mean, who knows what God is going to do with me this week, right? Um, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know it's a nervy thing for us all, believe me. So, devote ourselves. We're going to start with 2D. Nick did 2A and 2B last week. If you haven't heard her talk, she came off the platform last week. I said, wow, that was amazing. So honestly, if you haven't heard it, you need to. You can go onto Facebook, pick it up. You can go onto YouTube, pick it up. You can go onto um, Apple Podcasts, pick it up. I think they might even now be on Spotify and you can pick them up there. So devote ourselves to knowing, loving and becoming fascinated with Jesus. So the word fascinate always reminds me of a childhood joke. You can join in. Karajoki. Teacher, Can you use the word fascinate in a sentence? Pupil. I have ten buttons on my coat, but I can only... Yeah. Can have that for free. Dad joke. Father's Day, I'm allowed. But anyway, do you know the saddest thing is, you might get to the end of the morning and think, I don't know what you talked about, but that was a terrible joke, and that's that's going to be the the lasting memory. Um, And devote. What does it mean to devote? And it... The best description I can come up with is to give all of one's resources or most of one's resources to something. So we are invited to give all or most of our resources to becoming fascinated with Jesus, which means to attract the strong attention and interest of someone. Has Jesus attracted your strong attention? Does he get your strong attention that comes from in here? Has he piqued your interest? Because our culture statement here says we give all or most of our resources to becoming strongly attracted and give attention and interest to Jesus. That's what this means. So we are to become fascinated with him, but how do we do that? Well, there's this writer called um, Joel Zaslowski, I'm only saying that once, who says this, your job is to grab onto something intriguing until your series of questions leads to fascination. Isn't that a great line? I'm so good, I'm going to say it again, um, because I can't see any of you... Writing it down. So here we go. I'll give you another chance. Um, Your job is to grab onto something intriguing until your series of questions lead to fascination. So the starting point about being fascinated with Jesus is there's got to be something about him that you find intriguing, that is quizzical. Hmm, that thing. It's that face. And that grows into a series of questions that leads to us becoming fascinated, absolutely fascinated. What intrigues you about Jesus? What makes you wonder? Let's give our time to that life-giving pursuit. I hear people say this. We, we hear it often. I had, um, uh, uh, we had an issue with our boiler. Boring. But the, the original manufacturer had to come out. It was under warranty. And so this lady came. Her name was Amy. And so I got, um, I got chatting to her. 
And I, as, she, as she left, I said, oh, you know, I said that we run a church. I said, we've got the other pastors out in the garden. We're just, to, just about to have a meeting. If we could pray for you for anything, what could we pray for for you? And she said, oh, well, uh, I don't really know. That's a, that's a really tricky question. Um, I said, look, 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 just imagine, even if you don't believe in God, right? Just imagine, literally, he walks in the front door here now. What would you ask him for? Happiness. That's what she asked for. She asked for happiness. It's such a common thing. I just want to be happy. I deserve to be happy, etc. Thing is this. I think if you really want to be happy, we haven't got time to go into that word, so much of it starts probably by becoming fascinated with Jesus. Our fascination draws us into that relationship. It opens up our eyes to possibility, to wonder, to some maybes. Depression, anxiety, low mood and more, they struggle to coexist alongside an open-hearted fascination with Jesus. I'm not saying it's not possible. They are uncomfortable bedfellows. Because when you're fascinated with Jesus, there's always a maybe. Ooh. There's always one of them. What are you up to? Anything's possible. What was impossible yesterday is possible today. Interestingly, you can have this for free. Many marriages would also benefit from each person being slightly more fascinated with the other. Are you fascinated by your spouse if you're married? Take that as a no. (laughs) Okay. I did say you could have it for free, but at least acknowledge me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And devoting ourselves to becoming fascinated by him, by Jesus, opens the door up for us to become more like him. not moving on. Can you please move it on, Ethan? Thank you. I don't know why it's not moving on. There we go. Perfect. So the second half of this statement says, so we, we seek to become, we devote ourselves to becoming fascinated with Jesus and in doing so, seek to be more like him in all we say and do. So this week, uh, oh, it might be in the end of last week. Anyway, Mads, uh, one of our daughters, she had a friend. She had some friends come over, and they were coming for the uh, coming to go in our inflatable hot tub thing. And then they were going on somewhere else for a sleepover. Anyway, she had three friends over. One of them I've met before. The other two I haven't met before. But it transpires that one of them, her mum, wasn't massively keen on her coming over initially. She didn't know us or that kind of thing. Anyway, it turns out the mum is actually in Ashford Sings. And so she, oh, yeah, oh, no, you can go there. That's fine. No, don't all like that. Anyway, this girl walks in, and I said, oh, my goodness, she is 12. Oh, my goodness, I don't need to ask who your mum is. I know exactly who you are. You are like, you're like a mini-me of your mum. That is incredible. She went, oh, no. <laughs> Like, oh, I've just done that whole dad thing, other friend's dad thing. It's 
I'm so sorry. But anyway, even if, even if I didn't know who her mum was, like I didn't know, oh, this is, this is this lady's daughter, even then, if she'd walked in my head, I'd have gone, wow, wow, I know her. Her face is so familiar. And in being more like Jesus, this is what we want. This is Amy Grant years ago sung a song about you've got your father's eyes. That's what we want. So here's a question. It's a quiz, if you like. And you can think about the answer, and then I'm going to ask for hands up. Does becoming more like Jesus mean that we have to become less ourselves? Does becoming more like Jesus mean we have to become less ourselves? You can have a think for a minute. Take it as it is, Ruth. <laughs> okay. Who thinks then that becoming like Jesus means that we, we don't have to diminish who we are? That we don't have to diminish who we are. Okay. Hands up if you think that becoming more like Jesus means we do have to diminish who we are. That's not every hand. Like between those two, hands up if you think this is a trick. Okay, so there, there is this bit in John. Uh, jo- I'm not going to read this one because it's so short. But I'll get my Bible out for the next one. John 3.30. John, as he's known, John the Baptist. That wasn't actually his surname. Um, but it was John who did a load of baptizing. He said this. That he must become greater and I must become less. Now, what happens with this verse is it gets taken out of context pretty badly, actually, because the context of this verse is there's sort of rivalry between the two groups of disciples, John the baptizer's disciples and Jesus' disciples, and they're getting a bit kind of prickly. And John the baptizer's disciples, like, who's this new kid on the block? Who's this lot over here? What's going on over here? This thing. And John, uh, John the baptizer then said, No. Do you remember I said I was only a forerunner? There was one coming after me whose whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. It's okay. He needs to become greater. I need to become less. I've done my job. That's what he was saying. We hear sometimes, um, Alan Scott used to tell a story of a worship leader. um, And he he came off the, the worship leader, she I think it was, came off the platform. And Alan Scott said, wow. That was amazing this morning. Well done. And they said, the person said, oh, it was all Jesus. And he said, oh, come on, it wasn't that good. Yeah. <laughs> and so there is, there, is a, there is a cooperation that goes on. So do we need to become less ourselves? No, we need to be fully ourselves as we were designed to be. So it doesn't mean that we don't need to change some of our habits. It doesn't mean that we don't need transforming. But we are being transformed into who we were designed to be. And many, 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 many people are living outside and beyond the scope of how they were designed. So if you've got a Bible, um, uh, is it coming up on the screen? No, it's not. 2 Corinthians 3. Just grab that. I'll give you a few moments to search for it because I didn't bookmark it. Mm-mm. 2 Corinthians 3, 13, moment. 
And we all, who with unveiled faces, I'll cover that in a minute, contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. I love the wording in the New Living. It says this, all of us have had that veil removed. So in the Old Testament, when Moses encountered God, he says, no one may see the face of God and live. And so there was a veil that was put over. And when he'd been with God, he so reflected God's glory and intimidated the rest of the Israelites that he had to put a veil over his face because it was becoming so distracting and intimidating for people. Well, the great news is, There is no veil needed anymore. So we can look with unveiled faces on God. And it says this, all of us have had that veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I would love to be a bit like Jesus. I'd like to be quite a lot like Jesus. I mean, one of the best insults that someone could give you is, oh, you're just like a little mini Jesus running around. Oh, yes! I'll take that insult. What a great insult. Oh, Jesus is just your support. Yes, he is. It's like a comfort blanket. Yes, he is. Yes. It's like a crutch that you can't do life without. Yes, he is. This is all good. Happy with it all. So, next one, 2C. We devote ourselves to becoming passionate worshippers of God as we respond to his invitation to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Looking a little bit like this. If you've still got your Bibles out, turn to Mark chapter 12. If you haven't got a Bible, by the way, we'll give you a Bible. It's the most awesome book. It can feel intimidating at first, but amazing book. And just scroll through and look for anything in red writing, and it means it's Jesus, so just read it, it's cool. Um, Which is this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard some people debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, he asked Jesus, of all the commandments, of which there were a lot in the Old Testament, 700 and something, uh, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, still said to this day. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the greatest commandment. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he'd answered wisely, he said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. (laughs) I bet. Really interesting there. That he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And when the guy responds to Jesus and says, good answer, by the way, Jesus is like, thanks, I'm the son of God. Um, but anyway, when he then replies, he says, you're right that that's more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. Well, I don't know about you. Maybe you don't do so much, so many burnt offerings these days. Um, I've just finished building my barbecue and even I didn't come up with a burnt offering on Friday evening. But how about people who do stuff for God and that's their burnt offering. 
Well, I've been on this rota now for eight years. God says, I want your heart, not your sacrifice. I mean, thank you for doing the rota. I'm really grateful for all your help. But I've got this. What I haven't got is your heart. What I want is your affection. What I want is your worship. What I long for is connection. And then go back on the rotor. Thank you. Oh, no, that was me. I did that. Sorry. Um, It's not because God is egotistical. It's because he is a father. And he longs for connection. Any father in the room, and indeed mother, you long for connection with your kids. A healthy, right, wholesome connection. That's what you long for. And the father designed, created, fashioned us to want, need, desire, and thrive in connection with him. He knows that that is best going to happen. Best going to happen when we have given him our attention, our focus, our devotion. To love is built into our design. Do you realize that for you and for me to love is the most natural thing in the world? And what sin has done, sin has come in and has interfered with love. So when people say, well, what is sin? Anything that interferes with love. We love all kinds of things. We love ourselves, jobs, houses, possessions, bodies, other people's bodies, money, addictions, holidays, and more. Some of these, there's a moderation to when we say we love them. I love going on holiday, that kind of... Let's apply some common sense here. But God says this, put him first, and then all the other pieces of the puzzle fit into place. As Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first that. Now, we're going to play a little game. I know some of you love games. Some of you hate them. Don't worry. It doesn't involve any running, shouting, anything. I'm about to give you a list. Who likes odd one out? Oh, my word. Is anyone out there this morning? Thank you. <laughs> Two people love odd one outs. Well, the rest of you just have to play along. Sorry it's not Wordle. Um, there are three on here. The, the odd one's out. And that would be a copyright issue. Um, anyway, three odd ones out on there. The list is biblical things, activities, for want of a better word, that help to shape and are represented in the Bible for worship. So we've got singing, shouting, playing instruments, putting hands in pockets, this is for the sake of the podcast, playing drums, singing a new song, prophesying, dancing, being half-hearted, raising hands, singing in the spirit, waving flags and banners, worship that doesn't cost us. How many odd ones out are there? Everyone? Brilliant. Let's hope we're agreed. We haven't got time to go into which ones. (laughs) But anyway... When we come into a place of worship, and that's what was one of the things that was precious about this morning, it isn't about volume. Passion doesn't have to equate to volume. But passion says, God, right now, you are the most important thing. I'm going to give of myself. 
I'm going to hold nothing back. I'm going to leave it all out there. It absolutely makes his day. David, if you remember, Old Testament David, some of you may know the story. His wife, Michelle, she despised David in her heart because he gave his affection to the Lord and he danced basically in his pants. And she said, look at you disgracing yourself. And he said, I don't care. I'll become even more undignified than this. Cannot hear that without the song. But anyway, I'll become even more undignified than this. Yes. And because she despised him in the way she did, she ended up dying and her blood got licked up by dogs. Another lesson there. I don't know what the lesson is. But anyway... (laughs) I remember I've told this story here before, but it bears repeating. Years ago, when I was at Bible college, yes, I have been, uh, I was at Bible college, and there was uh, one of the leaders there, and we used to have this prayer and worship for eight uh, eight o'clock in the morning, and one of the things they said there so often is, why are you waiting for the band? Right, we're going to stand, we're going to worship. Why are you waiting for the band? They'd all say, because you can worship without a band. You know that, right? Even in church, you can worship without a band. So... You'd then start to worship. And to be honest, most of the worship was just free-flowing. It was um, loads of just singing in tongues, singing in the spirit. This would go on. And there was this one morning, as I say, I've told this before, where I just wasn't really trying. To be honest, I was really tired. And I I was just stood there. And I wasn't like anti it. I just wasn't really massively engaged. And one of the leaders there, um, he uh, came up behind me. And kind of leant over my shoulder and said, God, not worthy of your praise this morning? I wanted to punch him. <laughs> but you know what? The most annoying thing was I had, didn't have a leg to stand on. God was absolutely worthy of my praise. I was just tired. I was just hassled. I was just... I can't be bothered. I was just, I'm not feeling it. I was just, I don't like this song much. I was just, uh, I was just, someone just sneered at me as I walked in the car park. I was just, I was just, I was just. They all play second fiddle to God being God. It's so often when worship is hard that it costs us the most, that it is most needed. Culture says to do things if and when you feel like it. But our culture here says he is worthy of our praise every moment of every day, whether we have the feels for it or not. So many times for me, a heavy mood, a dark cloud has lifted as I've worshipped. Because so much about worship is perspective. Putting him back on his throne, not that he's come off it, he just has in our lives. So finally, here we have the whole thing. We devote ourselves to becoming passionate worshippers of God as we respond to his invitation to love him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. We worship in response to who he is. We love because he first loved us. He has saved us from hell. He has released us, released us from prison. He has bought us life. And brought us purpose. He has set us free from the consequences of sin and shame and poverty and sickness and more. He lavishes his affection over us. He sings over us. His delight is absolutely 
in us. Our response, it can only ever be worship. There is no Britishness and there is no shyness in heaven. There is no Britishness and shyness in heaven. God says, give of your heart. Don't care what other people think around you. And when I see people super free in worship, there's something in me that says, I want to be like that. I wish I were that free. God, help me to get that free. Maybe that's why I'm going to Columbia. You watch next week. I'll be in my Lycra doing cartwheels along the front. All for Jesus. All for Jesus. (laughs) I don't hear you, Lord. (laughs) Anyway, let's stand and pray. We're going to wrap up. God, we devote ourselves to becoming passionate worshippers. Passionate worshippers. We worship with our heart, soul, mind, strength. We give of ourselves to the point that we virtually embarrass ourselves. Because God says, not in my eyes you don't. That is a beautiful thing. Thank you for your surrender. And Jesus, we want to become fascinated with you. That we want our questions to lead us into intrigue and wonder. And it gets shaped into fascination. We want people to say of us, Corey, you're flipping obsessed with Jesus. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Because he is obsessed worthy. And Father, on this precious, precious Father's Day, we pray for all those people who the word Father needs redeeming. It's a painful word. It's a hard word. I thank you, God, that right now you put your arms around those people. Say, let me show you what a father should be like. And Father, we pray also for all those people who've lost fathers, maybe never known their fathers. And maybe even after all these years, they've never even really mourned the loss of not having a father in their life or their father dying maybe last year, maybe a few years ago. We are aware, God, that for some this would be such a painful day. And yet, our Father who lives in heaven, holy is your name. Our Father... I thank you, God, that you comfort the disturbed and you disturb the comfortable. Make us into passionate worshippers. Thank you, God. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week and remember you're loved.